0: You're listening to episode 143 of the god Center Mom podcast with me, Heather McFadden, and today I'm chatting with Sarah Haggerty about how every bitter thing is sweet.
1: Part of the power of adoration is actually bringing the admission that I don't believe his word. And we never want to say that, right? Like, I mean, I'm saying, like, foundationally, I believe his word, but on a day-to-day basis, I... If I'm really honest with myself, there are truths in his word that are really hard for me to believe. And so bringing that level of honesty to God, saying, God, I am really wrestling to believe that this is true. Um, Instead of trying to put some kind of, as my husband says, Jesus juice on it and like make (laughs) us feel like, you know, like, oh, I'm great. God is good. You know, like, let's just be honest and go, I really am wrestling to believe this part of your word. But I know that it's true. So God, can you bridge the gap and take me from this place of unbelief, exactly what you said, that prayer, help my unbelief, and then believing that the power of the Holy Spirit through the word really does shift us. And I would say almost every time I engage in adoration, I walk away going, "My, you've, you've helped my unbelief. Something has shifted in me on the inside.
0: You all know I'm big on Connections. And it's hard for me to not see God's hand in a lot of details. Uh, when I discovered Sarah, it was a little over a year ago. Uh, my parents were living with us when my dad was working through a diagnosis of colon cancer. And I was reading Sarah's book, Every Bitter Thing is Sweet. And it just struck me. I mean, you know, when someone's writing words and it it meets exactly where you are, that was that time. Well, fast forward and I've been trying to get Sarah on the show and life circumstances and she was working on her next book and we just couldn't get it together until this last week. And I was interviewing her less than 24 hours after I found out that my mom got another a diagnosis of her own and that they are living with us and we don't know what's coming. And I just, I believe God's timing is perfect. And I know that y'all are going into the holidays, and some of you are super excited and you can't wait to be with family. And I know some of you are dreading it. My hope is that this interview, these words, Sarah's uh, experience through hard times with her marriage, financial struggles, infertility, all the things. Life just has things. <laughs> we, we don't get to pick and choose these perfect, easy lives, uh, and that's not God's goal in our life. But that her story, And this discipline of adoration would encourage you as you go into the holidays, that it would lift your spirits, that even if you don't feel that God is good, you can speak back his word to him and that the Holy Spirit will shift your soul to believe that it is true. So I'm excited. I feel like God planned this perfectly to be delivered to you right as we head into the holidays and into Thanksgiving. Uh, Thanksgiving tends to be thanking God for what? What? he has done in our lives, and adoration is thanking God for who he is. And so I think we can do both. Thank you, God, for all the wonderful, beautiful things that you give us every day, and thank you, God, for being the wonderful, beautiful being that you are who loves us, who sees us, who cares for us. So before we get into today's conversation, I want to give a shout out to my dear friend, uh Casey with Persimmon Prince. Thank you, Casey, for sponsoring the God Center Mom podcast. You've heard me talk about Persimmon Prince. Now have you checked it out? Go to persimmonprints.com. I'm telling y'all, these clothes are comfy and you can get scripture like God centered apparel and art for your home. Casey and her team do a great job. It's a family owned business out of Chicago. You can fill your life with print, fix your heart on God, and help others, including the Good Shepherd Agricultural Mission. A portion of the proceeds of your purchase are going to go to this agriculturally based uh, orphanage in India. You also know that it's ethically made. Their new shirt, their Hope shirt, is their first persimmon prints labeled item. You are helping provide fair wages for people by making this purchase. That feels good when you're buying your Christmas presents and it does a good thing for others. That feels good. You also, if you are a God Center Mom listener, get 20% off if you use the coupon code Godcentered, all caps. So go to the site, persimmonprince.com. I want you to check out the Love Well Pullover, which is, I'm telling you, so soft. I love it. I'm going to get myself one because I've seen it every time I've seen Casey in person. I'm, I always am tempted by that one. Uh, her choose joy hoodie is super cute and her new hope shirt with flowers on it adorable and then also get your persimmon pudding recipe it's for free it's on the website so go there download that be ready for the holidays i think i saw trader joe's had persimmons all right let's get to my conversation with sarah here we go hey sarah welcome to the god center mom podcast oh thanks so much heather i'm excited to be on um i kind of have chased you down I think,
1: <laughs> I mean, when your, your book, every bitter thing is sweet. When did it come out? Because it came out in October of 2014. So it's two years old, two years old. Okay. And <laughs> I started reading it, I think
0: last summer. And I was like, I gotta have, I gotta have Sarah on the show. I know the book has been out for a while, but this book is everything. And <laughs> so we've been talking and then you've been working on your next book and I finally got ya. I got gotcha. you.
1: You got me big and pregnant.
0: (laughs) Oh, really?
1: Congratulations.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Oh, my stars. Okay. Well, I am so excited for everyone listening to get to know you and your story and, man, all the things God's been teaching you. So first, just introduce everyone to your family. And I know that that may actually normally say introduce everyone to your family, but I think your story is your family. (laughs)
1: So <laughs> I think it is too. <laughs> so maybe just tell
0: us some of your backstory and, and they'll get to know your family as we go.
1: Oh, great. Well, I, my husband and I have been married for 15 years. Okay. Um, and we were, uh, eight years into marriage, uh, having a slew of, uh, we were kind of in a, what I might say, a dark night of the soul. Mm. And in the midst of that, was one of those elements was infertility. And we really felt like God was leading us to adoption. So the big overarching, I'll i will give it to you in broad strokes first, but so we adopted our first two after being married for eight years, we adopted our first two children from Ethiopia.
0: Okay.
1: And while we were there, there was a, a young girl who kind of gave us a tour of the orphanage. I say young, she was probably, you know, maybe eight, nine, 10. Wow. Um, and it was clear that she had been familiar with acclimating all these new families to, to their babies Mm. and giving them the run of the orphanage. But she just had these eyes. She looked at me with these eyes. I said, take me home. Mm. And so we left Ethiopia with our two children. And I said to my husband a month later, we have to go back. Um, and a year later we started the adoption process, not for that particular girl, but both of us sort of knew that we would be adopting older children. So then we went back a year later after that to Uganda and adopted two more children. So then we had four, wow. like overnight. I mean, I blinked and we had four. Wow! Uh, and then um, several years after that, we just had this surprise of our lives and had what the medical community called so graciously then a geriatric pregnancy. No. It's wonderful. And now I'm pregnant again. So you know, wow. I'm getting to hear all of that all over again because I was geriatric three years ago, but I guess I'm really <laughs> geriatric now. So now I, I am pregnant with our sixth child. We have four children that we adopted from Africa, and one biological toddler, and then I'm due in January with our sixth. Wow,
0: wow, wow. wow. that you know, everyone says, "Oh man, your hands are full," right? <laughs> they says, do. I, I hear that often. <laughs> and having read your words and. Uh, just to see with each step, you know, it, you don't get to see the whole picture. That one day we will have the six kids. You see the empty house. You see the friends welcoming home babies. You go right. to that next baby shower. Talk to that mom out there right now who who's at the beginning of that story. Who's experiencing the hard.
1: Yeah, you know, we lived. I would say there were seven years where we lived in a really hard place. With struggles in our marriage, both my husband and I are strong personalities, and got married young and had a lot of ideals and expectations for what life would look like. Mm -hmm. And very shortly after we got married, those things started. We we noticed that they weren't actually going to come to fruition like we thought. What were Um, some of those things? Like, what are because I know you're both mission minded. People. Yeah, we were both in full-time ministry with an organization called Young Life. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we were we were convinced we were going to evangelize the world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, I mean, we really both very driven by the hearts of those who don't know Jesus. And so, um, in my mind, in my twenties, I just pictured life and God to be like a treadmill that just over time you slowly turned up and you ran faster and you ran harder and you ran stronger. And, uh, shortly after my husband and I got married, I had felt a little bit of an ache inside of me. Like, I think there's more to my experience with God than what I'm walking through right now. I was starting to feel a little bit kind of empty, a little bit burnout, a little bit dry. Mm. So I just started praying, Lord, if there's more of you, I want to know it. I mean, literally that prayer and that same month. And we didn't know until maybe years later, my husband prayed the exact same prayer. Mm. He, He was wrestling too. And and what we didn't think is a prayer like that might also lead to your life not working out like you thought it would. I think the way that God began to reach us was actually through pain.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. And uh, so you're going through this, you're discovering that it isn't the works that he's longing for. What yeah. subtle changes happened in your day to day? You know, you said pain. yeah. Well, It was pain
1: in our marriage. I mean, I think it would be precursory to just, you know, say that we came to all these conclusions. Honestly, a lot of those seven years, I wrestled with real deep bitterness at Mm. God. Mm. I, you know, it was pain in our marriage, which initially was just hard. I mean, you're young and married, and I'm watching all my friends be so psyched about marriage and this kind of new, fresh love, and behind closed doors, Nate and I are going, how are we going to make it? You know, we just keep fighting. And Mm. it feels like one fight leads to another leads to another. And we're not coming up for air. And all of our friends are in newlywed bliss. Mm. So there was that. Um, And Nate is an entrepreneur. So he was actually starting his business. So we had some kind of ups and downs financially on top of it. Um, And then learned fairly quickly that that we would struggle with infertility. So here I was now not not only watching my friend's move. And in retrospect, it all, you know, I see that they had struggles too. I think none of us really knew how to verbalize mm. <laughs> what we were walking through. I, I felt very isolated, but I look back and I have dear, dear friends who are walking through similar things, but we just didn't have the language for it. You mm. know, we just kind of talked about what was good and great. Cause that's sort of, you don't want to make people feel bad for you. Mm. Um, so we, you know, but then it moved from looking at everybody in their newlywed bliss to my, my girlfriend's having their first, and then second and then third babies. And I'm going into my thirties really wondering, will we ever Mm. have children and feeling like, you know, for everyone else I could look at them and say, God was good to them. And I knew that God was good, like generally speaking, but put me at a baby shower with 15 women sharing birthing stories
0: Mm. and I
1: want to crawl into a hole. I'm angry at them because they have what I want and I cannot get there no matter how hard I try. And I'm angry at God and I'm mad at myself. What did I do to fall out of the favor of God? And I'm going, I, okay, I think God is good. I'm just not sure he's good to me.
0: Mm, there's so much to what you said, you, the bitterness, the that whole currency exchange that we believe. Like somehow yes. I did something wrong and I'm getting punished. Um, why? Why is he good to others and he's holding back from me? I think women can identify with any, any three of those <laughs> things and all three yeah. simultaneously too. It, it really, it does go <laughs> to our theology. It's where our, our dailiness is really rooted in what do I believe about God? Do I believe he is good to me even in this? Cause this yeah. doesn't feel good.
1: This I could have said good. it, you know, when I was 18 and, and right, right. seeing so many souls change for God, you know, yeah, and yeah. feeling like I had nothing but dreams ahead of me. but then. <laughs> You know, and in the midst of that, my dad also is diagnosed with cancer. So it literally was like, there could, I mean, I remember saying there, could there possibly be one more thing Mm. in my life that could fall apart? Cause I just feel like I am keeping one nostril above water. Mm -hmm. And I remember one particular day sitting at my kitchen table, I think it was after a baby shower. Honestly, those years to me feel very marked by baby showers and visits to the, you know, fourth floor of Martha Jefferson hospital where all my friends were birthing their babies. Um, I just remember that time being faced with what people had that I didn't have. Mm. I remember sitting at my kitchen table and I came across a verse. I literally don't think I had ever read before. Proverbs 27, seven says a satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb, but to a hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. And this actually was one of those one time moments where I, God gave me such clarity in, mm. in r- literally a minute. And I went, I can stay bitter here and, and just acknowledge my bitterness or I can get hungry mm. and, and really get hungry for a great, like basically went back to that prayer. I prayed just shortly after we were married, God, if there is more of you, I want to know it. Mm. And in that instant, it was like, I got clarity. I can get bitter or I can get hungry for God, mm. and these bitter things actually could be the greatest part of my life. I mean, it was that. And of course, not not that I didn't wrestle with it afterwards. I certainly did. But in that moment, I felt like God came in through his word and offered me an opportunity. Hey, you don't have to stay bitter and hardened here. There's a real opportunity here for you, Sarah.
0: And what was great is that it was in a moment of being alone with God's word that the revelation happened. I think that in our bitter moments, in our hard moments, we get ourselves distracted with social media or we turn to a Christian expert of some kind or, you know, we might just go to our journal and, and, you know, go turn inward. And that you chose even to sit with your word, even in the bitterness, even in the feeling not good enough uh, for his favor and that he blessed you with a revelation is is an encouragement to the woman out there who's listening saying man I get it marriage is hard finances are rough um kids either aren't happening or it's rough there too you know even when they come it doesn't yeah. get it's not <laughs> easy exactly breezy right. it's not easy breezy so i think that is a good word just to the woman who's not knowing where to turn that you can say okay This book is alive. And like I heard Bianca Oltoff say, um, you don't just read the book. The book reads you. The Bible reads you. It's living, breathing. The Holy Spirit reads you what you need and directs you to the right words from God. And you said you had to replace the bitterness with hunger. So tell someone listening, what did that look like for you? What did it look like to be hungrier for God?
1: I think some of it was acknowledging that um, underneath the bitterness, there really was hunger. Hmm. I think some of what you said, at, not, at that point in time, it was it was far enough back that we di- I didn't really have social media. I mean, there right, wasn't right, even right, Facebook right. at that point. So it wasn't Praise like the I had those, <laughs> I imagine. That's why the, it happened. The old, the That's why it happened if you had
0: Facebook, you wouldn't have the revelation.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, so, but the, the, I still had escapes then. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's I still like had a, a dozen things I could do in any given moment to right. keep me from actually being really raw about my bitterness. But I feel like the first part was acknowledging that bitterness is there, but that underneath that bitterness, that bitterness actually came from a craving for God. Mm. And I just kind of, if I if I stayed on the surface, it would always be bitter. But if I could, I'd always kind of even rename it as bitter. But if I could just take a moment um, and acknowledge, I really want God. Like that's the deepest craving of our souls. I mean, we all know it. you know, you feel like you're having a tough day. You get lost on social media for 30 minutes and you feel (laughs) sick to your stomach, Right, you know, because you feel like this isn't what I really want. Like, but to actually, yeah, yeah. but then to actually like take the time and go, oh, God gave me this hunger. There is desire and hunger for God underneath this Mm. and that I can give permission to. And then I just, I I honestly started to see that time as kind of this divine alluring, like, Mm. Maybe I never really knew what it was like to fall in love with God before that, you know, and maybe I had, but like, I just, I sort of gave myself permission. I'm going to go to a baby shower and I, I'm going to come home and cry it out with God Mm. instead of just running to get a chai and talking to a girlfriend about it. You know, Mm. I, I started to give myself space to actually explore the emotions of my heart, but not in a rant more in a, I'm going to just sit and cry and and see what God does with this and sit and cry before him and his word and trust that he's big enough to handle this crazy hot mess that I am.
0: I love that you said, make yourself have space. That's something God's been speaking over me is where Heather, where Heather, do you have space in your day and your life? Um, you know, busy, 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 Yeah. full is what I say. Full, full life. So, you know, what encouragement do you have for someone to make that space if they have the craving? You know,
1: I, yeah, I would say ride the craving as best as you can. And even if it comes in the form of bitterness, acknowledge that the bitterness you're feeling is actually a, underneath it is a craving. Mm. And, and I, you know, the first step, I think, is just taking note of how does it feel when you escape? Mm. And we all could list our dozen escapes, right? Yep. is it real? I I think sometimes it helps us instead of just going, I shouldn't do this, you know, whatever, X, Y, Z escape, just acknowledging every time I do this, it actually isn't filling my soul. Even if it is an escape is listening to a great sermon. Like these teachers are wonderful, but they're not the presence of God himself. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, and just acknowledging like, is this really meeting me? Mm -hmm. Um, but then the second one I would say is like, For me, I think I started to see that time through the lens of this is how I fall in love with God. Mm. So it means creating an environment, like making the space uh, enjoyable, like light the fire, light a candle, you know, whatever it is for you or, you know, for one of my best friends, it's going for a long drive in the country, like, Mm. or going for a long walk, like find the places where your heart comes alive and then expect that God is going to meet you there. Mm
0: you also discovered in this whole journey a spiritual discipline that I don't feel like we talk a lot about in the church, um, and that's uh, adoration. Mm-hmm. Kind of talk us through your process of, of getting there and what that looks like.
1: Yeah. Well, I had coffee with a friend somewhere in the midst of all of this. Mm-hmm. And just, I mean, like totally just sharing about my life and, you know, just normal conversation. Well, towards the end, in the way that I think a really good friend can do without being too overt, she said, you know, have you considered adoration? Well, she, she's suggesting this because she's seeing in me, you know, my, my makeup, my bent, my history is kind of uh, to be a worst case scenario thinker. Like (laughs) I, I am a glass half empty sort of girl without God. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so she's seeing that, you know, all the little hiccups and bumps. She's seeing through my language that they're getting me to a place where I am getting hardened. Hmm. and um, so she said, have you considered adoration? I'm like, sure, everybody does adoration. You know, acts, adoration, confession, confession, thanksgiving, double case, I'm sure. The kind of prayer, yes, yes, yes. (laughs) And she's like, no, you know, I mean really like actually taking God's word and speaking it back to him and adoring actively when you feel like you'd rather do a hundred other things, even in your communication with God. And so she just sent me on a she, she actually kind of gave me a little mission, like start looking at his word through the lens of how can I speak this back to him even when I don't feel it, mm. but acknowledge that I'm coming to him with these feelings of bitterness or whatever it is and letting his word really change me. Mm. And so I started, I mean, I I had a book then that just had different characteristics of God by which to adore, but I would say another great place to start is the Psalms, mm. And looking at, at, for me, I mean, now I'm fast forwarding to what it looks like now. I look at the sides of God that I really wrestle with. And instead of just letting myself kind of sit with this, well, your word says this, and I feel this, we're just going to agree to disagree. (laughs) You know, instead, it's like, you know, even this morning, honestly, I am in the shower going. Lord, you're a shield to me. And there's some, just some stuff going on in our family, extended family and going, Lord, you are a shield to me and to my family Mm. and you are a protector. And my heart doesn't feel it. My heart feels afraid. Mm. My heart feels insecure. Like Mm. I want to cry it out and just go on with my day and drink a ton of chai (laughs) and escape but I'm going to be really honest that I don't feel like you're a shield right now to me. I don't feel like you're a fortress, but you tell me in the Psalms that you are a mighty fortress. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go back to you and say, this is what your word says. And I adore you for being my shield. I adore you for being my fortress. Mm -hmm. Um, And using that language to, to actually populate my thinking,
0: you know, and going into Thanksgiving, because that's my goal to have this published before Thanksgiving To give, I don't know, sometimes when we head into Thanksgiving and we sit around the table and maybe maybe our family has a tradition of, okay, everyone go around and say what you're thankful for. Not everybody does. But maybe that looks like, I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for my house, um, which are all good things. But they're not too specific. They're just kind of general. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, Ann Voskamp reminded us that we need to be grateful for the little things all the time, not just on one day and not just one meal. But this – is even another way that we could go into Thanksgiving. And and even, <laughs> as I've gotten some messages from listeners, all the challenges of family dynamics, whether it's um, conflict because of the recent election, whether it's yeah. a loved one that's passed away this year and it's the first um, time the whole family's getting together since, and there's sadness or there's um, people grieve differently, and so there can be... I mean, all sorts, all sorts, or maybe you are the one that had the baby and your sibling didn't. And there's conflict. I mean, there's so many opportunities when we gather with family face to face for conflict and stress. And if your heart going into it is one of adoration and turning to God, I think you're going to, you're going to have his mind and you're going to have his eyes and it's going to shift you internally. Yes. So talk yeah. to us about this shift in you. So you go and you start doing this practice of mm-hmm. speaking back his word. And even if you don't believe it, even if you're saying, you know, like the, in the New Testament, help my unbelief, even if you're saying, I don't have it, <laughs> I know you say it, but I don't feel it. Yeah. Um, did you feel a shift though, in times when you have prayed adoration yes. for him, to him?
1: And I would say almost every time. And I mm. think what you just said is key. Mm. For me, part of part of the power of adoration is actually bringing the admission that I don't believe his word. And we never want to say that. Right. Like, I mean, I'm saying like foundationally, I believe his word. But on a day to day basis, I if I'm really honest with myself, there are truths in his word that are really hard for me to believe. Mm -hmm. And so bringing that level of honesty to God, saying, God, I am really wrestling to believe that this is true, Um, instead of trying to put some kind of, as my husband says, Jesus juice on it and like, make (laughs) us feel like, you know, like, Oh, I'm great. God is good. You know, like, let's just be honest and go, I really am wrestling to believe this part of your word, Mm -hmm. but I know that it's true. So God, can you bridge the gap and take me from this place of unbelief? Exactly what you said, that prayer, help my unbelief. Mm -hmm. And then believing that the power of the Holy Spirit through the word really does, shift us. And I would say almost every time I engage in adoration, I walk away going, My you've you've helped my unbelief. Something has shifted in me on the inside.
0: And sometimes it's it's that we're believing a lie. We mean we're believing something. We're just yeah, not believing true. the truth exactly of who right. God is. Or we could say with words or we could read, God's in control, but our reality and how I'm acting is nope, I am. I am responsible for how this works out. I am responsible for making this holiday go well. I I am in control. And so That's exactly right. to to pray, Lord, I know you are in control, that you have set the the planets in motion and you are the creator. And then you can admit your limitedness in this situation.
1: That's and- exactly right. And I think sometimes we don't even Get to the point where the the spirit and, uh, and power of God and His Word can move in us because we actually that dialogue is so inner. Mm. You know, we just kind of assume these lies, we believe them, we live out of them. Yeah, we have developed such a history of functioning out of them that like we never even get. We just and sometimes we just slap words on it. God's good, you know. Where yeah. I kind of want to say, I got to get to the place where I can say, in this instance, I'm really struggling yeah. with thinking that He's good. I think one example for the mom, this is one of my favorites, you know, I think there's so many hidden parts of life as a mom, regardless of how you mother or what your day looks like or how many children you have. The truth is you are pouring out your life in a way that most people don't see, Mm -hmm. you know, even your, even for those of us who, who are married, you know, our husbands aren't necessarily even seeing the little ways that we're up in the night praying or feeding or, you know, um, making the lunches, doing things that no one ever acknowledges. And I think over time for a, for a very, as you say, full, for a mom (laughs) with a full schedule, full instead of busy, (laughs) you know, we can start to feel like even God doesn't see this, like that these little outpour, like, can you, I just can't wait to get outside my walls Mm. or have these kids be in a different phase so I can finally be noticed. Like, for all this, for, for what I'm doing. And I think for me, adoration, that's been key, especially with children, for children who are adopted and just their heart wounds that we're not gonna go tell everybody about. Right. Um, but it's a really real struggle in our house kind of walking through that. And I have found Psalm 139.1 has been powerful for me in adoration. It says, oh Lord, you have searched me and known me, you know, my sitting down and my rising up, you understand my thought afar off. So here I am carrying the laundry up the stairs, going, looking at the pile of clothes, going, I think I washed these jeans two days ago, like <laughs> figuring out my kid's strategy of instead of putting them away, it just goes back in the laundry, you know, uh-huh. and thinking this life feels so cyclical and I am pouring out and nobody sees her. I'm having a kid with a meltdown, you know, and it's not, n- not the kind of thing that I think is just going to end. Cause I know my kids have heart wounds that are going to take time to heal and so from that place, going up the stairs, holding the laundry, going, no one sees this. Mm-hmm. But God, you searched me and you know me. You know, my in my mind, I might want to complain in my head and go, I got a college degree <laughs> and I'm <am> kidding. Can- <laughs> jeans up the stairs for the fourth time this week, because my kid hasn't put them away, you know, but instead of that going, God, you see this moment, and you know it, and you love me in this moment. I adore you Mm. for searching the hidden parts of me that no one sees. And speaking to me in this moment, your eyes are on like kind of rewriting my thinking with his word.
0: Yeah. The lie that that we're forgotten, that we're unseen, that we're not known, that's so common and so believed. Um, Or, or, okay, let's talk about the lie that I see a lot. um, I ask women to tell me what their lies are, they're believing um, on Tuesdays on Instagram. And it's, I'm not enough. I'm not a good enough mom. Uh, someone else could do this better. Oh
1: my goodness. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We
0: get those places. Our husbands are kind of like, not again. Here's a go. we got to give her the pep talk. Uh, so, but we do, we'll get to the end of the day and be like, I am messing this up. I have failed. I cannot be. And some of it again, is that social media or comparing our reality with the best version of of the other person and their edited version and that's not fair to us. It's not fair to them. Like you said, if adopt families that the children they've adopted can't share all that stuff online so it can look yeah. pretty imperfect. And then you're the adoptive family and you're having the struggles and you're like, wait, what, how can they figure it out? And we're struggling. So we have to recognize, we have to recognize that that's not truth. Um, and then, you know, where's the adoration that we could cling to in that moment of not enough.
1: That's exactly. And it's funny that you even bring that up because even just this week, you know, I'm, I'm a month away from delivering this baby and mm. just, you know, with five other children and just the needs around me, I, I, have, that's been a constant battle, like to fight that lie in my head. And just this week, that's where I was with adoration, second Corinthians twelve nine, And he said, my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in weakness. So mm. I want to walk through the house and see the mess and see the heart needs that I can't quite get to because I'm so tired and swollen, you know? Yeah. And I want to just complain in my head. Like, just, I have this inner dialogue that's just complaint, you know? Mm-hmm. But instead of doing that, this week it's been very present for me going, your power's made perfect here. I adore you that my weakness is actually the place where you really move in my home, God. Mm-hmm. I adore you that this weakness doesn't scare you. That you come in in power, and that you have a grace that 's enough for me for right now, that I am enough because you are enough you know that's that what is what my adoration looks like in my head mm.
0: it's so good because sometimes we again with the theology think uh I have to get this all right, so that God loves me
1: his love that, yeah. uh,
0: his love depends on my performance, and um and it's so opposite, but we've, we have, we, we can believe that lie. So to be loved unconditionally, to recognize the end of me is the start of him and his strength. Um, even if we don't feel the strength, I think that's the trick too. We think, okay, I'm going to call on God's strength and all of a sudden, like Popeye eating spinach, these muscles are going to show up and I'm going to look amazing. <laughs> I'm going to conquer the world. And then we think, well, I'm just, I can't channel God's strength. Nope. Mm -mm, I don't think that's what he means. I think he means you're going to get to the end of your rope, which in the message version, that's the poor in spirit of um, the Beatitudes is poor in Mm -hmm. spirit is translated by Eugene Peterson. End of your rope. You're going to get the end of you and blessed are you because then you get to see God move. You know, yeah. you only have so many fish and so many loaves and you're going to see the multiplication and the miracle because you are you are limited
1: because you That's can't. That's so true. Because you can't. That is the message for the mom. And I think we oftentimes can kind of preach this to ourselves and to each other. One of the things that I've found though, that the shift happens in me, like that where I'm not just saying this to myself, mm. or I'm not just listening to another sermon about it or reading another blog post about it, but I'm actually believing it. Yeah. The shift happens when I adore. I mm. just don't know that there's anything more powerful than inviting a spirit, to move in us by putting his word in our mouth. Mm. And, and I think sometimes, you know, nowadays, our days are so full of words. I mean, just the even inspirational words that I think can be really good and beautiful. (laughs) You know, like I'm a writer, I love words, but I also think there is really nothing that compares to his word in my mouth with the power of his spirit in my being breathing on that word. It is like an ember. I mean, I picture it like an ember, like the embers are there in all of us moms. Mm. But the the question is, are we going to let this spirit blow on that ember? If you, if you, you know, to use the fire analogy, um, by actually putting the word in his mouth and in our mouths Mm -hmm. to speak it.
0: I mean, Jesus, Jesus came and the word dwelt among us. There is power when I pray out loud, even, you know, yeah, saying it yeah. back, journaling it back, getting it out, but uh, taking that time. That's what I hear. The space, the knowing God's word or going to it in your own time, not just relying on somebody else's time in God's word for your filling and then speaking it back to Him in a moment of admitting your unbelief and, and assuming the truth, like that's taking exactly on, right. taking on the truth. And I have a real quick question, thinking back, to that mom who may identify with your marriage struggles and those early years. Yeah. And I do have a lot of young mom listeners who have the first, maybe the second. I've, I felt like we had her come to Jesus when the second came, <laughs> like we could pull it all together. <laughs> and then the second came and we just got splintered more and the stress level went higher and man to man defense and, um, you know, just not getting time together. And, uh, with this adoration and with your marriage, was there anything specific that helped you all transition from that hard season to where you are now?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. I think some (laughs) of it was (laughs) there. That's a whole other podcast. podcast. I think some of it was just admitting uh, was the honesty about what we were really feeling on the inside with uh, the honesty tethered to the belief that God was going to move in us and restore parts of our marriage that felt like they were severed or broken. Mm. Um, I think in that first year, we both struggled, not even first year, I mean, it was first several years. We both really struggled with with such shame about the fact that we had struggles that we kind of pushed it all down further instead of just bringing it to the table and going, okay, there's a, there's a mess here. Mm. And we're having a hard time on our own getting out of this. A, we need help, and we did get help. Great help, wonderful counselors. Um, but then also, we need to admit before each other and before God that with this mess, ma- like A, that there's a mess, and B, that He can restore it. Mm. I mean, that's a real oversimplified version, but I think a lot of honest dialogue but not just honest dialogue for the sake of, well, let's just be vulnerable for the sake of being vulnerable. Honestly, vulnerability just as an end in and of itself feels very empty. But if we can be vulnerable with each other, that this feels really messy and not what we expected. It wasn't what I hoped for, for our marriage early on, but with the end being God is a restorer. Mm. So how can we walk through this vulnerability with the intention that we're going to land on seeing more of him as a restorer of our hearts and of our marriage, and even of the hopes and dreams we had for where things would go with our marriage.
0: That's good. Yeah, because the, the message sometime we're getting is if it's hard, we should just stop. We shouldn't fight yeah. it. It's easier or to just something let it go.
1: So bro- if it's hard, it's, it's past, so broken, it's we should past, walk away. Yeah,
0: it's past being fixed or restored. And to push through the hard things, especially in a generation that is choosing comfort and convenience, there's just – Yes. It, to do the hard things. That's more our grandparents, the Depression era. You do hard things. You're the company man. You stick with the company. You're
1: loyal. Yeah. It's just a different
0: mentality to say it's hard and that's okay. That's okay. You
1: know, and yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up. I would say after 15 years of marriage, I mean, my husband and I have said this year, 15 feels like a big year. <laughs> Looking at each other, going multiple yeah. times, both of us kind of even like whispering in the dark going, could you ever believe it would be this good? Mm. And, and I, you know, that I feel like is, is we are, our, our marriage is a testimony. We had, we did it's, at one point in time, I did have someone counsel me to get a divorce, you know, to walk wow. away from this. And, and I know there's layers and I know there's lots of different listeners. I don't at all want to speak to individual situations no, at, no, in any no. way, but I will say with our story that felt, um, like at times is this so severed, it couldn't be put back together. And to look now 15 years later and go, he restores and he gave he not only restores but he gave me more in year 13 14 15 of our marriage than I even thought was possible in year one or two and it was through the hard yeah
0: we're just kids growing up together that's what I heard an older a mentor say <laughs> that's
1: exactly right <laughs> we're kids growing up
0: together and we need grace for each other and, and you know yes like you said of course there's scenarios where we know of course there's abuse of course um, we do not want you to stay in, in anything like that, but yes, God can restore. And he, um, it's the importance of going to him, not hearing his heart for your marriage and yeah. and the good Sarah. I'm so thankful to have you on and your words. They are, they're sweet.
1: They're sweet. Like honeycomb. Wow. Um, Thank
0: you. where can people find you online? Where's your website?
1: My website is, well, it's changing, but right now it's everybitterthingissweet.com. Okay. And that's the title of my book. Though I have a second book coming out this year. So we've the website, you could also go to com. Okay. Um, What's your second uh, book going to um, be
0: called so people can do for you? You know
1: what? You're not seeing it. Okay. All right. All right. The, uh, so you got We're going to tell people in a month. Okay. So I you can't got,
0: wait because I'm so excited <laughs> about it. <laughs> so people need to follow you on like Instagram and Facebook so they can wait and get the news.
1: Yeah. Every, and I'm every bitter thing is sweet on Instagram also. Okay. All right. Thank, Thank you, you so Sarah. much. Heather, I love what you're doing for women. I feel like this is a lifeline. I really appreciate your voice you're sweet. into our current
0: culture. Well, we're just, our, my my heart is that women would know God. That is my heart. And if this can help, he's pursuing every woman listening. He is using a variety of sources and resources to get to their hearts and to heal their that's we don't need to know the how or the what we just know the why that he came to bind the brokenhearted and to set the captives free and so to be a part of that is humble blessing and i'm so thankful that you're one of those voices and directing women to healing and wholeness even in their bitterest bitterest that's not a word Bitterest.
1: (laughs) You run a podcast. You can
0: make up words. words. I can make up words, right? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) The hardest time. So thank you, Sarah, and happy Thanksgiving to your family. You too. All right. Have a good day. Bye. Right? I mean, was I right, (laughs) Sarah? That conversation was just what I needed before we got on. Um, I told her about my mom, and we just cried together and prayed together, and just a tender heart to God. And I I hope whatever you needed, God provided in that conversation and that you will go to his word. If you're not feeling something, if you're not feeling that God is good, don't trust your feelings. We cannot trust our feelings. We are look at the overall of what God has done in your life, the overall of the good things in our life. And even in the moments where he does not feel good, let's turn the truth of his word back to him in adoration and, and just like You know, uh, our pastor yesterday reminded us that verse that says um, it's about money in your heart. And sometimes we think um, you put money in the things that your heart is interested in. But the truth of the verse is where your money is, your heart will follow. I think that's true with our adoration. (laughs) Like if, if we adore God and give him praise, I think our heart will follow. Our belief will follow. That's what Sarah and I were saying. So find something in his word that is true about who he is. And then... Repeat it to him. Pray scripture back to him. I think it was Beth Moore that was the first one who ever taught me that. We can pray scripture back to God. It's his word. And then our belief will follow. Our belief will follow through the power of the Holy Spirit. Something supernatural happens. I appreciate y'all. I know on Instagram and Facebook I shared about my mom. And I appreciate all your prayers. I fully believe that God has brought you to listen to this podcast, even if it's for such a time as this, to gather an army of prayer warriors to pray for my mom and for us to show off what he's going to do. Uh, she's given me full permission to share all of this with y'all because she believes fully in God that he, she is claiming healing from him. And um, she is, she is for prayer. So don't just say praying. I, I'm, I'm counting on y'all pray, say a prayer, even, even if it's a breath prayer. Uh, her name's Kathy, pray for Kathy. So I appreciate every single one of you that listens, that downloads this podcast and shares with your friends. Y'all are amazing. Oh, in a podcast club update. There are over 250 gals who have said they want to start groups, which is so encouraging to me. Uh, the idea that you're not going to mom alone. I've heard amazing, hilarious stories. One group got together and they were so excited to finally have adult time. They kept talking over each other, and so they got a talking stick that they pass around their group, which I love that idea. Um, I, I just want you all to get together, and I know the holidays, it's hard. Um, try one time between now and the end of the year to get together with people that really give you life. Don't make it official and formal and so complicated that you don't do it. Uh, make it easy. Make it PJs. Wrap presents together. Um, my really, really fun mentor, Leslie, she has a Christmas card addressing party. So we all show up at her house with our cards. Or if we're doing online stuff, we bring our computers. And, you know, we just are together in the hard, you know, the the tasks of the holidays, do it together. Don't be alone in this season. Share your hard things, your um, be together. So if you're interested in the podcast club and you want to get the six-week curriculum, go to godcentermom.com backslash podcast club, and we're going to be releasing some new curriculums in the new year uh, for couples, small groups, and for gals who maybe aren't even moms, uh, but listen to the show. And then um, I think a new six-week curriculum for moms that have already done this first six-week curriculum. All right. Thanks, y'all. Thanks, y'all, for your prayers. Again, don't forget you're going to pray for Kathy. And I hope and pray that Thanksgiving is a blessing in the midst of any kind of challenge or struggle, that you are fearful, that you will shine a light, that your adoration will transform your heart and your desires, and you'll shine a light for Jesus in whatever family gathering you're in. Uh It's going to be great. It's going to be great. We're going to be grateful that we have family, that we have people, that we have food, that we have homes. We are going to be grateful for the stuffing. Praise the Lord for stuffing. All right. I'm going to stop talking now. Have a great day. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God-Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to GodCenteredMom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand and know that God is just as present while you are washing dishes at your kitchen sink as while you are worshiping him in a church pew. He sees your service to your family and he is pleased. As it says in Zephaniah 317, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Have a great day.